You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not a very good idea. That was brilliant. Yes. Yes, that was brilliant. Yes. 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 Um, you may have noticed last week, I don't suppose you two did, because you probably didn't listen to the podcast, but we got some new music. Did we? Yes. Wow. Um, a friend of the podcast, Pete Wheeler, has uh, loaned us a tune, which uh, is from his band Twin Sun, uh, and it's rather delightful. Um, is that local band? Yes, they are. They're, they're familiar. Uh, Pete does the Ready Pop Festival, uh-huh. and has involved him in the Ready Pop charity. Um, and later on, I will quickly look up what the name of the track was, and I will be able to tell everybody, so you can all go and listen to it. <laughs> Um, we've also got uh, a, a chap called Jeremy Drakes, who is now going to be doing our voiceovers. So, uh, Hugh, you know Jeremy, don't you? I do know Jeremy, yes. He was a sub-editor on the old paper. He was, and a fine actor of some standing. Absolutely, he's a, he's a thesp. A, a problem. So, um, should we hear what Jeremy has to say? Yes. Let's go, Jeremy. Get in touch with the team. Find us on Twitter at RealReadingPod and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> you can check out our new podcast index with all the major talking points on past shows at www.inyourarea.co.uk slash news slash RRP index. That's enough messing around with the format. Rach, um... Yeah. You mentioned to us before the show, um, some, it, it's obviously it's about a week now since Remembrance Sunday. Um, you mentioned something to us about something something lovely that someone did in Cavershire. Do you want to tell us yeah, about that? Yeah. Because we haven't had a chance. We're, we're recording these a little bit behind, so we, we, we're not quite up to the minute. It did but, uh, confuse me there. Yeah. <laughs> a week ago? Lost some days. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously there was loads of lovely things going on for Remembrance Sunday around the town, so Tilehurst had a lot going on with, was it, did they brand it Make Tilehurst Red? Or Turn Tilehurst Red, Red, And lit up the, um, the water tower and everything, was it was lovely. fantastic, yes. Yeah, but, um, yeah, where I live in Caversham, um, I don't know who they were, a family, a local family had... They did loads of research into soldiers who had served in the First World War um, and they had made poppies. Uh, I think they were made out of paper plates. Yeah, they looked like they were, They yes. were that kind yeah. of size. They're quite big. And then on each one, they put a little, um, little label uh, with the details of that soldier, who their parents had been, so son or these people who lived at this address and they'd put it onto the uh, lampposts and things outside mm. that address in Caversham. Um, so just as you're kind of walking around the the area, you can, I don't know, it was just a really thoughtful thing to do, but also quite thought-provoking because, you know, you obviously know about the war and you, you know how awful it was and everything, yeah. but when you see that actually it was your neighbour's son... That, that was killed there it sort of brings it all home a little bit 
Did you did you watch the um, the documentary by Peter Jackson? I think. I've not. I've heard some really good Yeah, I think it's so I think by the time this podcast's out, it's going to be off iPlayer. So oh, you need already? to. Yeah. So uh, it's a bit difficult talking about it now, given that this is now Monday. It's already yeah, gone. Yeah. But um, that that was incredible. But please do make sure you watch it because it's really quite something. Have you seen? No. You, honestly, he's he's gone through archive footage and turned it into colour. It's just it's so, um, it's just so, it makes it just so much more, um, I want to say real, but you know, it obviously was real, but it just, it, the impact is so much greater because it's, 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 it seems silly just turning something from colour to that could have that much impact, but yeah. I mean, we were in tears watching it, so it's oh, just really, really quite, um, yeah, I mean, sends Zach to bed, is all I will say, but it's a bit harrowing. He doesn't need to, he doesn't need to know I, just I'm yet. I'm not sure he's. <laughs> He's ready for no, the real world like that. No, just to lighten the mood. Like, what was, he, what was he having a panic attack? Was it not a panic attack? That's the wrong thing. What was he having a meltdown about this the morning? Other? Yeah, uh, uh, that was because he forgot to take his binoculars to nursery to show and tell. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's more the level yeah. he's at at the moment, yeah. rather than uh, the horrors of war. <laughs> yeah, and rightly so. He's what four? It's three. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm only three. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> when you listen to this later, um, thank you. Right, yeah. I mean, certainly the the the, the remembrance stuff was um, was just some really really amazing stuff happened. Um, watching it on the TV as I did um, in London, especially, it was quite moving. Um, and some of the stuff that happened around here, and that sounds like a really lovely thing for someone to have done. Yeah. In, in Caversham, so. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, Hugh, I know you didn't really contribute to that, but um, no. thanks anyway. That's okay. I, I listened. Yes, you're very good. At he that. was deep in thought yeah. about the whole thing. Oh, wasn't yeah, he? yeah. I was trying to come up with facts for later. Quiet. Yeah. Um, okay, on to what we've been up to this week. Rach, um, what have you? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I went to the cinema. Right. Okay, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Well. Not really, because uh, having a three-year-old, getting out, both me and the husband at the same time, is quite a a rarity these days. So it always feels like if we use one of those tokens to go to the cinema and sit in silence next to each other, (laughs) it feels a little bit uh, stupid. But the new Bohemian Rhapsody film came out. Uh, so I had to use a token because I had to see it. So we went to The View um, last Thursday, took mum and dad to see it as well. And it was so good. So, so good. Uh, also good is that The View Cinema is £5 a ticket at the minute. When did that happen? I Five quid? no idea. To go to, I thought it was like £15 plus £20 for food. Well, it... It was getting to what it was ten pounds a ticket, right? And then a little bit more if you wanted the the nice seats, and then if you bought a, a drink and stuff, it what? was a thirty quid night out. What, for a fiver, if for a fiver you get to sit the aisle, do you? Yeah, we were on the floor you have to face the away from the screen <laughs> with a blindfold. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was it's five quid a ticket. So it's like, well, treat everybody <laughs> with twenty I'm, quid. I'm gonna I'm gonna prefix what I am about to say with every time I've been to the View Cinema, it's been perfectly nice and perfectly clean. But someone did say, is it cheap because it's dirty or horrible? 
and I'm not sure it is. It's, no, it's, I wouldn't. It's perfectly fine. Uh, as far no, as I'm it's not. I mean, the showcase over at Winnersh, they had a massive refurb, yeah. didn't they? Yes. In recent years. So that, was, that, that was, is a lovely cinema. Yeah, that was definitely yeah. one of the most uncomfortable cinemas it previously. It was, but now it's, it's <laughs> like an armchair. It's lovely. So, yeah. I, I mean, view isn't quite that. But no, I don't remember thinking it's... Dirty. No, but then, I, like I said to you when we were talking before, it, it is dark. So, so yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Well, it's, it's Maybe like, it's um, revolting and I can't it's, see. It's like someone saying to you, uh, Rach, you know the after dark is a bit filthy and a bit grotty? Well, it's dark. Who cares? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I can't see it, therefore... It doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. Also, your, your general state when you're in the after dark, you're not really that <laughs> concerned about. That's true. High, sticky floors. And <laughs> I wasn't being... drunk in the cinema. No. I didn't stick to the seats or anything no. like that. I, I don't know if you've ever been to the Odeon in Bracknell, as it used to be the UCI. I don't think it's been refurbed at all since it first opened. Oh, so wow. uncomfortable. Like when you get used to these, as you say, these sort of armchairs and all this kind of thing, so uncomfortable. Yep. But anyway. Um, and the film was. Oh. Have you seen it? No, you I haven't seen it. see it yet. It's, Not yet. I mean, me and my family are Queen fans anyway, and it was just... It, I mean, obviously the tunes were awesome, but just the whole... Just understanding the yeah. band a bit better and the casting in it is amazing. Um, is it uh, Sasha Baron Cohen? No, no. Um, oh, it, I thought he was in it. No, I don't think so. Okay. No, there's a guy. I can't even remember what the guy who plays Freddie's name is. He's um, he's been in a couple of American drama series, but not like a big right. A-list yeah. Hollywood film. And then um, the other members of the band were um, so Brian May was played by a guy out of Midsummer Murders. <laughs> John Nettles. Uh, no, <laughs> that would have been amazing. No, I don't watch Midsummer, but my dad told me. Oh, right. Um and then Roger Taylor, the drummer, was played by the guy who played Peter Beale in EastEnders. Oh really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then my favourite one, John Deacon, the bass guitarist, was played by the guy who was Timmy in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Which is exciting, right? Yes. The little boy in Jurassic Park is about what about the little 45 boy now, in yeah. Jurassic Park, one of my favourite films ever. It's now grown up. He's recovered from being electrocuted by that. He was oh, morally. Finally, thank God for if that. I remember rightly, you walked down the aisle to the Jurassic Park thing tune. I did. You? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Q. Q. Q looks a bit. Uh, last Shocked week we talked at length in your absence about how useless you would be at okay. pulling down a shed. So okay, that's right. I haven't listened to the podcast, but I'll, I know. I'll get my lawyers. I'll get know. my lawyers onto it. I don't think they'll have an argument. To be honest, <laughs> if you'd seen me in action with my sledgehammer, you'd be very much mistaken. I've been pulling down sheds and bit things we don't want in our new uh, living area. Um, yeah, we had this. We've we've. For those of many people who don't know, my girlfriend is now running a hardware shop in the area of Sonic Common. Have you paid for this advert? Sorry? Have you paid for this advert? <laughs> I've, through, through, through years of service. <laughs> yes, I have. What's the shop called? It's called Heath and Watkins. It's in Wood Lane, Sonic Common. It's a lovely old-fashioned hardware store where one of those shops where you can buy pretty much anything from... 
we nails to glue to kitchen equipment light to bulbs. paint loads of light bulbs yeah and and compost as Gun well we sell a lot of compost okay. yeah and, and uh, uh, my, my girlfriend is working very hard to make the shop a success working six days a week and I I have a role within the shop um, <laughs> that is somewhat basic in that it involves lifting heavy things and moving heavy things and removing things which we don't want anymore provided it doesn't require any kind of skill dexterity <laughs> Or thought processes. I found myself a niche. It's like chief demolition chief, expert. Chief, yes, chief, de, chief, chief destroyer of, <laughs> of things. So we had this horrible rotten shed in the um, in the garden, um, which was taking up space. It, it, the roof had kind of corroded. Um, it was completely useless. You can't put anything in it. And I got a sledgehammer and I hit it very hard, quite a few times, and eventually it all fell down. Was that therapeutic? It was fantastic, mm, yeah. Love it. Yeah. There was a slight incident where my dad was there and he he insisted on, you know, doing it <coughs> properly. And, uh, In a manly fashion. Yeah, so I was doing a little bit of work removing bits of wood from one part of it and he was taking off the corrugated roof. The corrugated roof had rusted and was very, very sharp. And in classic fashion, I was standing... He was up a ladder and I was standing uh, where I was standing. and um, Underneath the ladder? near to the ladder and I said watch out dad don't chuck that sharp piece of corrugated metal down because it will land on me and then I'll have to go to A&E and have a tetanus shot and he didn't reply but spoiler I assumed alert. he'd heard spoiler alert 30 seconds later a sharp piece of corrugated metal landed on my arm oh no fortunately it, it didn't cause a great big gash down my arm somehow so I didn't have to go to hospital but into uh, the start of men of a certain, that age yeah. my dad didn't apologise and basically said it was entirely my fault for not talking <laughs> not talking loudly enough implying that I would have deserved to, to have my arm stitched back together so, so just teach um, you a lesson yeah, son. for not being loud enough <laughs> just um, just going back to your threat of the lawyers I think you've just like basically that's everything we chatted about that you would definitely end up potentially you need to go to the hospital and get injured so I there don't was, think you've got a leg to stand on there my friend <laughs> yeah there was there was one time where I was I was using a slightly smaller hammer and it f- I, uh, I hit it with what I was hitting with such force the hammer flew out of my hand <laughs> across the garden if anyone had been in the vicinity they would have been severely injured <laughs> fortunately I was there by myself so it's, it's, it's good fun <laughs> knocking knocking down when it doesn't re- when it doesn't require any kind of thought and there's no plan and it literally just needs smashing and removing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a it's huge tremendous. Amount. Yes, <laughs> I might set up a business. Yes, I'm like a Lenny of out of, of, of mice and men. I think is uh, <laughs> un- unthinking without the kind of unfortunate aspect of the, what he does in that book. I don't do that, but certainly, um, certainly the kind of mindless destruction is, is certainly uh, certainly a niche I'm, I um, I'm very desperate to get you to explain what it is that Lenny does in that book for anybody that hasn't read it but I, I fear that uh, that might go down a path yeah. that we don't want to go down so like, look it up it's all on Google and um, <laughs> it was very much part of the GCSE syllabus and anyway that's you so and I don't do it um, <laughs> Mark the thing I've been up to so last week I went to a conference in London at the Reuters building in Canary Wharf Um, And there I met uh, a chap called Alistair Coleman, who, if uh, anybody's on the Twitter, will 
maybe no. He does a lot of monitoring of uh, for B for the BBC, um, and he's particularly monitoring the uh, North Korea and South Korean TV channels. And he does a lot of funny stuff on there, and that's great. But he also, which I think not everybody realises, he's also behind uh, a Facebook page called Angry People in Local Newspapers, which is about the sort of story that Hugh will have written again and again and again, you know, with it, that will have a picture of someone uh, angry and pointing at something, usually. Um, it's the, the sort of the, the stock in trade is a child sent home for having wrong haircut, shoes, something like that, uh, or someone standing at a bus stop saying, where's my bus? Um, uh, pointing at potholes. Pointing at potholes is a major favourite yeah. as well. And bins as and well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's potholes and bins. Potholes and bins is uh, his bread and butter. Because I, I actually interviewed him the other day. Yes. I don't know if you realise that, because he's I... got a... Book, book coming book out. out. That's He's got was, a book yeah. out on uh, the th- so it will be uh, last Thursday. Um, I'm interviewing him for the podcast for next week. So he, will, Alistair, will be on. So that will be great. And, and if anybody has any questions for Alistair, but his uh, it's quite a phenomenon his Facebook page because it's got two over two hundred thousand likes, and which I think is about hundred thousand more than Get Ridding. Um, which no, is yeah, ninety thousand. No, oh sorry, ninety thousand. My 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 apologies. And um, so he's really 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 excited to see that. Um, he he does you know it drives his page drives a lot of traffic to our our website our website many like it yes it's a very useful tool but if you aren't on angry people in local newspapers then please do go and have a have a look at that because it's very funny yes he's from he's he's from Reading he's from Reading Um, originally uh, the first time I spoke to him a few years ago he said are you of the Twyford Forts? Because <laughs> uh, he's... The notorious Twyford And I said, yes, I am. And he said, I grew up in Twyford. I always used to see your father's exploits in the local cricket team <laughs> in the sports pages of the Maidenhead Advertiser. So, I was, I, so he's never seen my exploits in there. I don't have any. But, uh, yeah, I've interviewed him a few times. He's a, he's a very interesting chap, yes. particularly, particularly good on North Korea. Yes. He's re- renowned as a leading expert on North Korea. I culture. believe so, yes. Yeah. Yes. According um, to him, <laughs> <laughs> which um, could be a North Korean style propaganda message. May, well, well, I'll ask him yeah. uh, when I see him on Thursday. So Alistair will be on the on the show next week. Um, thanks, guys. Now it is time for the Reading Fact of the Week. Reading Fact of the Week. So it is time for a fact from our recently found around Reading in ninety nine or so facts book. It's a facts book. It's a book of facts. Um, Hugh, what have you got this week? Yes, well, this actually leads me nicely on to what we're going to talk about a little bit later on as well. This is, is a fact about everyone's favourite subject, driving in Reading. Okay. In 1903, Reading police set up the, first, the town's first speed trap on the Bath Road. Motor Car Act of 1903 meant the speed limit went up to 20 miles per hour. And they were out there catching people... With their foot down, hitting the, hitting the high speeds <laughs> of 22 and 23 on, along the Bath Road. Um, There's probably only about three cars on the road. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, there. Going at such speeds that they could probably chase after them and, uh, and stop them. Can you imagine what a speed awareness course would have been like in those days? Yes, this is what happens if you hit someone going at nine miles an hour. <laughs> a bruised knee. <laughs> but, um, of course, the, the cynics out there would say, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go at 20 miles an hour on Bath Road yes. now? And we are going to come to that in we uh, are. Fort, this week's Fort Explains It All. We which, are. Um, I suppose we should probably get on with it, really. Um, 
So thanks, guys. Uh, that is the end of part one. Because if you remember, we do it in two parts now because we have to put an advert in. Um, of which we see no revenue, which is annoying. Really? Yeah. Well, I've never seen any. Don't forget Heath and Watkins in Sonic Comet for all your hardware needs. <laughs> Should we come up with a jingle? <laughs> you can come up with a jingle. And oh, then... Come and join yeah. Rock Choir for, <laughs> <laughs> for, your, for your living on a prayer needs. <laughs> and next week I'll have my own advert. Okay. Um, so in part two, it will join you for Fort Explains It All. This is Fort Explains It All. Welcome back to part two of the Real Reading podcast, sponsored by... Heath and Watkins and Sonny Common for all your <laughs> hardware needs. It's and never, also Rock Choir. <laughs> never going to get old. Um, okay, uh, if anybody actually wants to give us some money for sponsorship, then we would love to... Uh... Yeah, just be clear, you're not getting anything off Heath and Watkins and Sonny Common. <laughs> okay, well, you know, that sounds fair. Uh, after all, I am giving you a platform, but you know, absolutely. Okay, um, so sort of a slightly serious time. And um, before he explains it all, as you know, is our part of the show where Hugh explains something. And this week, it is Hugh. What are we explaining? We're talking about average speed cameras in uh, Reading, in in the town, potentially. Okay, it's a bit of a strange one. This is from a meeting, um, and the the green councillors in Reading um, were have proposed to introduce 20 miles an hour on some of the roads around Reading. However, that has been um, that has been rejected. Um, the, the other councillors are basically saying that the uh, enforcement of a 20 mile an hour limit is very, very... I think it's very difficult to enforce and the police generally don't do it. Yeah. They need so. to speak to someone in 1903. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they did. When there were three cars on the road, yeah. the road was made out of mud. <laughs> then, uh, but what what the Tony Page, who's the early member for transport on Reading, Reading Council, has said is that the council is investigating whether to have um, average speed cameras as the most cost-effective cost means of... Uh, controlling speed um, and he he says that they would actually replace speed cameras right. um, so you know you know what average speed cameras are they, they, they clock you at certain points along your journey and then work out yeah so they, they, you see them on motorways if anyone's ever driven up the M1 <laughs> uh, there's about 50 miles of them there's a lot there. on the M4 currently as well yeah. so average speed cameras are those big yellow ones that um, scare you when you see them and they're the ones that where you spend a lot of time driving along at the correct speed limit of 50 miles an hour and then someone on the outside comes up and is doing 70 all the way down and you wonder how they get away with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I've never met anyone who's been no. prosecuted for, for that. But if anybody you realise you're going 52 yeah. and then you think, oh, so you drive for five minutes at 47 <laughs> to make up for it. And I was, the rumour is you switch lanes Yeah, I was trying to hide. can't clock you. Oh, really? I was trying to hide behind a big lorry. Not. I've never tried it. Trying to hide behind a big lorry as they go past them so maybe they miss me. There's all sorts of fun <laughs> Especially on the M1 when you're driving up there and there's a long time to. Yeah. Um, so, so, so details. Are, I, this is. A, I didn't do this story. I wasn't at this meeting, so I. I, I have barely I, I've read been, the story. I, I've been off. I've been <laughs> off work, so I haven't actually um, watched the watched back the discussions. But um, I'm slightly puzzled by this in that it it assumes you're able to make 
a journey from one point to another in Reading in a relatively quick time. Where yeah. whereas you're not. I suppose really, my, given the amount of traffic lights, I'm not even sure you could do it at night when the roads were empty. The, yeah. Um, where is is this in the town centre? Are we talking IDR yeah. or something like that? It just says the main road. The Green Party's proposal was on Reading's main road. Um, where they'd be, uh, I don't know. Um, and how? Because on the motorway it's fifty miles an hour, but if it's around the town centre, mm. it's not going to be. It's not going to be there. It'd be thirty. I don't understand so how it could possibly I, work no. in an area with traffic, traffic lights, crossings. Very rarely do you tend to be able to get from one point anywhere Reading to another without having to to stop. Yeah. And um, to really, there's not that many places where on the A thirty parts of the A thirty three maybe at night down by the stadium you can yeah. get and along sort of along the IDR again at night you can maybe put, but there's a lot of traffic lights you'd have to get a green light you'd have to get a proper good green light a proper red and green one run. yeah so it'd be interesting to see how this progresses but during the day you crawl through Reading you know unless the average mm-hmm. your average speed yeah. in Reading is quite often like nine miles an hour yeah um, so we, there's not a great amount of detail in this I think it was it wasn't I guess it wasn't that longer discussion but um, be very interesting to see how this progresses and the particularly in line as well with um, whether whether they down the line choose to also introduce things like congestion charges which is um, something else they've been talking about so so you can't say they're not thinking about how to solve traffic yeah. issues the problem with everything every plan like this is it's always met with people people saying you know just build a new road around the town or just do turn off the traffic lights or just you know everyone's got their own idea about how you can miraculously solve this traffic issue around yeah. town, which I don't think you can. I think the, I think it's a, it's one of those things where it needs a, a multi-pronged approach. For yeah, you need lots different... of different things, and I think they are exploring lots of things. I wouldn't be surprised if this didn't happen at all. Particularly, there's a line in the story from Tony Page quoted as saying, police have so far not been keen, <laughs> which is... What was the reasoning behind it, that it was... Is it to, because it's cheaper than what's there now, or is it to... This would be the most cost-effective means, is the quote. What does that mean? What, um, how is it cheap to replace all the cameras that are there already? Again, I, again, I don't know. Um, a lot of the cameras are... I know a lot of speed cameras aren't... They're not always on. Mm. Um, so, so I think they're there as a deterrent, but they're not, they don't actually catch you. Am I right in thinking a lot of the old ones are sort of film-based? And you had to replace because there's, there's more there's more elect, there's more sort of digital ones these yeah. days you see but mm. some of those big old box ones certainly I think used to use used to I think yeah they I, still do I, I, I don't would, know I would guess that that has been gone wildly yeah. speculating about a wide subject area none of us really know anything yeah. about yeah <laughs> yeah I remember but I, I remember being told that, that none of the you know they they change which ones are on right which is sensible but um, a lot of them aren't on all the time but I think this line police have so far not been keen um, on the on the average speed cameras um, because you have speed cameras in speeding hotspots don't you and, yeah um, if you take that I guess one of the problems is if you take those away even if you've got an average speed check camera somewhere else and you're in the average speed zone there's no speed camera on a long straight road so yeah. you know the temptation for people to put their foot down it would be much greater than if there was a yellow, big yellow camera that they think that might catch them speeding, yeah, you know, rather than an average speed check. Yeah. So, 
So I'm sure there's there's more information behind this than has been revealed in this in this meeting, and that um, they're looking into it using lots of lots of facts and data and stuff like that. Um, but I would not be surprised if this was just something that they they're just talking about, and then we'll decide down yeah. the line not to do, or they'll come up with some sort of detailed scheme and based on some sort of some sort of logic. You would hope. But I wonder uh, if they've got it anywhere else in town and city centres that they use it. Plymouth. Oh. They have it in Plymouth. Oh, I'm going to Plymouth uh, in a couple of weeks. And they have it in Coventry. Um, so they have it on the main road into Plymouth city centre and Coventry is about to use it. So so on the main road, into, so the main road into Plymouth, so that would suggest they might have it on somewhere like Bath Road. That might yeah. be somewhere you could have yeah. it. So you could have it, well, in one camera in Calcott, say, Another yeah, camera as you come into town, yeah, and maybe along the A thirty three, the longer road to get still maybe, maybe Pepper Road and Cavisham Road, you could do it in. Possibly. You still wonder whether anybody would actually get to it. Well, you know, there are so many traffic lights and all mm. sorts of different things. Or you still yeah, wonder of road work. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's an interesting idea, and um, you know, they they are. It seems like they are contemplating. Different ways of, yeah. of trying to trying to help the traffic issue here, which doesn't involve build, you know, yeah. building another building a <laughs> building flyover, yeah, or a, which is going to cost millions and take years. Yeah. Um, you also so have a park to... and ride out my way outside your house. Well, no, not no, because I don't need it. I can walk, but yeah, just for people coming in from north of Reading. Yeah, a bit further out, somewhere like. Sort of near, kind of, say Emma Greenway, sort of near yeah, Abbey maybe Rugby Club, somewhere way, like that, or out kind of the other direction, Calcott, near Dem- like that. Um, Play Hatch, you know, just out of the way towards Sonny. You could have one, potentially have one at Calcutt Sainsbury's. Can yeah. you change that? That's got a massive car park, and you could change part of that car park into a bit around the side, a bit around the back. Yeah. How busy that is! I think you'd struggle. It is a bit busy. Really busy. Also, there's there's one there's one up the road at Junction Eleven as well already. Don't forget. This is true. So, but don't they do like free shuttle buses out to Thames Thames Valley Park? Don't they from the station? Which is so. There's no there's nothing sort of Cavisham way, is there? There's nothing. There's that. So that sort of gets you out of town for free to that industrial bit. Um, but there's nothing to get you into town for. Yeah, I must apologise. I should really re- read read the story. Here we go. Um, it's actually East Reading that they're particularly looking at. Okay. Again, in part of town, which you can maybe get up a bit of speed along Woking Road and London Road. Yes. At night on a yeah, good day, potentially um, <laughs> with the wind behind. Yeah. <laughs> with a fair downhill. Wind. <laughs> on, a, on a good day, I don't mean a good day because obviously I, I don't tend to speed. But um, <laughs> on a clear, if the road was clear. Um, and that, that is one of the most congested parts of town of all. Yeah, yeah. So, to anyone who makes a, a, a quick journey <laughs> across there. Uh, anyway, okay. I, I think it's quite an interesting idea. Obviously, we, we've we've ascertained that there's a lot of um, a lot of questions to be asked about this, which may which may well come come the yeah. answers may which well the answers may well come forward at some point in the future, like say. a lot of these things. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting discussion, yeah. and um, 
hasn't been met particularly well but in our comment section but um, <laughs> like, like a lot of things people don't yeah. tend to think say this is a brilliant idea in no. the comments but um, yeah but that's maybe because that's not the whole story yet yeah if they, you know, know once, once if and when detailed plans come out we can um, we can have a good look at them and and yeah. have a discussion about them but at, at the moment it's just something they're looking into and that's that's all the information there is all I'll say is monorail monorail <laughs> okay thank you Hugh um, very interesting um, next week we will make sure that he reads the story first before he presents it um, <laughs> probably wrote that didn't no he didn't I didn't write it I just missed out I just missed out <laughs> the word east okay. that's all <laughs> um, now it's time for our interview with Daniel Melville from Handy Dan's 3D Prints roll the tape I'm sat here with Dan Melville from Handy Dan's 3D Prints. And Dan, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Uh, you were recommended to come and talk to us by Becky Stevens, who yep. was on a few weeks ago talking about the Reading Indie Urban Market or the Reading Urban Indie Market. I cannot get my head around for some reason. It's One of the two. <laughs> but either way, it's quite memorable. So so uh, you, you, you run a 3D printing business and yep. workshops and anything associated with that. So tell me a little bit about what it is you do so uh, I'm a small independent little business I've been uh, officially running for just over a year now uh, I'm actually an enterpriser with the Princess Trust because right. I had no idea how to run a business <laughs> I had this great idea but I was like how do I run a business so went with them and they've been great like learning about like making money funding support and it's just been great uh, in the last year I've really kind of got my name out there by starting to do workshops yeah. but with kids and families because what I find is there's so many people who know what a 3D printer is but they don't know what it does how it works <laughs> literally every kind of question and I felt that there's a small there's nothing no one's doing enough about it so I thought you know what it's what I want to do. I want to start doing workshops, teaching kids and families alike all these great little things you can do. So I brought obviously a few things yeah. we'll talk about in a moment, but uh, I just thought bringing it to the masses was a much better idea because a lot of people still are frightened by a three D <laughs> printer. So what 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 do kids get out of it? So the sort of workshops that I've done and I've got a few coming up actually is that we actually have a me and my girlfriend Harriet who helps me a lot with my workshops because I could not do it on my own with the <laughs> amount of kids and they're also lovely but yeah. just the amount of craziness going around so the typical kind of workshop is actually we say we've been asked to go to the mill which we have actually been to uh, we were asked to be there we bought our portable 3D printer, which is quite small, nice little piece. It's even got a little backpack as well. Wow, yeah. Yeah, we bring that. So many 3D prints that the kids and parents alike can pick up and have a look at. So we don't we, we encourage them to ask us questions. I mean, I wouldn't say I know everything about 3D printing. I know I feel enough to be able to educate them or they come yeah. away with something. So in the terms of our workshops lately, we've actually been getting the kids to learn about 3D printing as well as their parents because we actually get more questions from the parents than the kids because we find that kids know what a 3D printer is, <laughs> but the schools that they go to don't know how to use them. And I yeah. think that's a real shame because there's so much potential for learning and designing and whatnot. And um, at these workshops, at the end of it, say when we were at the mill, we actually got the kids to go around the museum, find one of their favourite things about the, the, the museum or wherever we're allocated to, and they draw their favourite thing from that day. 
majority of the time some of the kids don't know what they want to draw so they draw, draw their imagination which is great um, so at the end of the workshops we get them to, to give us then put their names down their favorite color and their parents address so we can let them know when it's ready <laughs> and we take it back and we go home and scan it use some tech like 3d print technology which i won't tell you just to be safe um and we yeah we just take them to 3d print them and as you'll see so here, we've, we've got, got something we've here. here we've got a, a snowman which looks rather funky so that's that's someone's just drawn that yeah, some kids, yeah. so you so you're able to take a flat drawing yeah. and turn it into something a bit more 3d yeah that's that's cool we yeah can, so what so that's it we've got a snowman there what's this what's this one i oh right okay believe it, like it was a robin a, it wasn't a robin it was uh meant to be a puffin maybe? oh okay something right, like yeah. that but long story short it's just the kids being able to create something yeah. that was what and then when we actually something like when we were at the mill we were able to drop them off and some of the parents came to collect them their kids eyes just light up and yeah. it's just so great because I just think you know, letting people know that they can create something from their imagination into a physical object yeah. is just amazing and we love doing it and we just love like just everything we do it's just it we're still we're just we're still taking small steps at the moment because being a small business it's scary because I'm trying to get my name out there <laughs> but uh, you have to sort of take the dive half the time and just say look I'm looking for someone you know are you interested and luckily the mill are the first people to be interested yeah. uh, as well as I will put out their jelly of Reading have been oh, great it's the art, the art yeah. uh, is it they, the art charity yeah, art charity, yeah. The, yeah. I've got to say though that they are the, the people that inspired me to kind of get on board and start asking more people about doing workshops because mm -hmm. they were interested so I've done a workshop with them before as well and they're just they're just great people over there they really encouraged me because I actually went to college in Reading many many years ago and I met Suzanne who's one of the owners of uh, Jelly hopefully I'm getting that right um, <laughs> and it was just mad to see her twice so many years later and she's still as lovely as she was yeah. when I first met her and yeah so um, I, I was going through your Instagram feed. There's yeah. some, some really fantastic objects. One thing did did stand out specifically, and that was um, you talking about the mill. Was the was the sheep the the absolute unit? Was it yeah. a ram or was it? Sheep? It, it was a ram. Um, so surprisingly, yeah. shortly after that workshop, we were asked to come back and do an uh, an evening where it was adults coming because there was lots of other people there. And we were doing their doodles yeah. instead, and it was actually a few days after the absolute unit <laughs> joke came out and uh, I'm quite good friends with Adam who was the one that did that joke and I, I just loved it as well yeah. and I just sat there and was like you know what I'm going to make my own version of the ram so we actually had some on uh, you can still buy them from us as well where I made my own version of the absolute unit because I couldn't quite get it right yeah. but it still looks big and chunky and uh, <laughs> it was just something funny just just a, a little laugh the fact is that yeah it was just funny I was yeah it was Bit of hard work, but it was funny. So, um, so you brought you brought something else with you. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk to me about that a little bit? Because we we were talking before we started recording. Um, I, I've spent a little bit of time in Bristol recently. It turns out so have you. Yeah. And, and that's for for a very very good reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to talk us through that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some people who may recognise the name from the podcast. Uh, I'm actually. Uh, an ambassador for a company called Open Bionics, and I wear a 3D printed prosthetic arm, which I have in front of me. I'm not wearing it just because in case it makes loud sounds while we're <laughs> trying to record. Um, and they're the main reason why I started my business. Um, years and years ago, I went to college at Reading when it was T uh, TVU, yeah. and I did art design, and I just loved all of it, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So for about nearly seven years, I stayed at Waitrose, worked, worked and worked and worked, and then one day I was given this opportunity, um, well, I'll go back a little bit, that was actually part of... Um, 
before Open Bionics were called Open Bionics, they'd actually started a Kickstarter under a different name. And I was really iffy. Do I want to join? Like, I really want to prosper. I really want a bionic arm because I'm really into comic books, sci-fi yeah. massively. And um, my girlfriend, Harry, said, like, just just send them a tweet, uh, not a tweet, um, sorry, just a message on the Kickstarter. Just look, see if they're looking for someone. And I messaged Joel, the founder, and said, look, if you're looking for a tester, would you be interested in let me test? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, we'll, we'll meet up. So we met up and the rest is literally history. I'm now an ambassador soon enough soon becoming a trustee of the company as well uh and in that time uh i just like i said i was in this lull of just like not yeah. sure what i wanted to do with my life and then they showed me their 3d printer and i was like wow like this is <laughs> this is the future um so i actually stayed for waitress for three more years before i started my business uh i built up quite a collection of printers i broke many printers before i really truly felt that i was ready um so uh i had my first printers dead and gone i'm afraid but uh, i learned a lot from it and in those years of learning about it i felt that i wanted to sort of start passing on the knowledge of what i know yeah and in that time i now have seven printers <laughs> i'm sure yeah yeah so they range from from large to small and yeah so my smallest is my go which is part of our workshops and my largest is one called a big box but um yeah it's just sometimes <laughs> it's like four days of just 3d printing and some days it's a bit quiet but you take the rough with the smooth. So the so the arm itself, the actual, mm. the actual thing. It's each piece of this. I, I assume it's not just assembled all at one. It's all it's all the it's all pieces parts all... and whatnot. Yeah. So this one's personal, personalized for me. Right. I won't turn it off. But I just quickly show you. So yeah. this one fits my arm. Um, so I do actually sometimes bring these to workshops, but this doesn't come out to the very end <laughs> because otherwise, if I take, put this on at the beginning. I just can't talk about 3D printing. They want yeah. to know about the arms. It fits me. And then these parts okay. come off. Uh, for anyone watching, if you just YouTube Open Bionics, so many videos of me out there. So, uh, yeah, um, it's got thumb. Yeah. And, yeah, so it's all per customizable as well, which is great. Like I say, I'll turn it on afterwards just because of all the loud sounds it yeah. makes when it yeah. starts up. So so you'll have to forgive my ignorance. I, so I assume that gives you, like, sort of almost full mobility yeah so it's you have a cup of tea you know yeah i notice obviously it's your right hand as well which i guess for a lot of people uh, their right hand is probably their their, the hand that they go for go to pick up you know just just anything yeah i mean personally yeah well Um, I i think what it is is um i was only born with my left hand anyway yeah and growing up when in the first few years apparently my mum and my dad and my brother and many people said that I was quite dominant trying to use my right hand when it didn't exist so I've had to you through the years just yeah. find my way and surprisingly it's been very easy to pick up the muscle movements in my arm because uh, if some people who are listening know about much about prosthetics or whatnot there's um it's like myoelectric so it's to do with your mm. pulse muscles right uh, and there's a button in the middle I can change the grip patterns so I can pick up something like much stronger or something a bit more dexterous yeah. so it's got all it's all it's all in one really but it's been four years in the making wow yeah and um so is they are the reason that i got inspired to start my business so yeah, yeah. and and uh, I, I don't know i suppose slightly superficially you can change the colors you can you yes. can do whatever you... yeah because this one's personalized to me and having yeah. three or several 3d printers i can print uh covers <laughs> yeah um I'm quite well known for wearing these. Uh, if anyone's a gamer, have heard of Deus Ex. I wear Deus Ex covers because we actually worked with Square Enix and Deus Ex on these covers because it's right. from the video game. Uh, video game is very sci-fi. It's based on people with um, augmentations, and I sort of like loved all that kind of stuff growing up. So being part of that was a huge thing. Yeah, um, yeah, and they're, they're they're very fancy covers, but today I thought I'd just bring some other covers <laughs> instead because yeah, why not? It's 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 really. Uh... You know, I, I imagine I don't know anything about this kind of thing, and it's it's quite a quite a strange thing to try and get my head around. But 
in in terms of like what actually is achievable just by a by do by three D printing what is effectively some plastic. And the fact that it can actually change someone's life is quite um, quite quite phenomenal, really. The fact that uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, this makes a huge difference to you. I, I I take it. Yeah, I mean. One thing I would like to get across to most people, though, is it's not, like, completely changed my yeah. life. I'm a completely <laughs> different person. Yeah. I I learned to do so much without an arm that it hasn't changed my day-to-day in that sense. There's certain things I can do with it that I can't before, like, let's say, like, holding a tray yeah. while opening a door or holding it. The biggest thing I really wanted to wear it for is because I have a coffee and a mobile phone one yeah, of those kind of yeah. people so yeah it's, to me it's, it's the small yeah. things that matter the most not the, the, the big things but uh, with all of that at hand I'm still the weird yeah. me the, the guy that most people know so, so, yeah. so I, I, you know just, just you saying like you know you can carry a tray I take it this means that your girlfriend's no longer bringing you tea on a tray it's, no, it's, no. it's your turn your L- turn luckily enough neither of us drink tea <laughs> uh, it's mainly she doesn't drink tea or coffee it's just that just the um, it's, it's actually the rounds I haven't bought anyone rounds yet because I make sure I don't I forget forget it on a night out like, ah, so someone's going to have to come with me and help me pay for the rounds so that's your equivalent of forgetting your wallet yeah I was like oh no I can't I can't, can't. I brought, forgot my arm again what a shame I suspect if you and I went to the pub we just wouldn't have a drink because I, I'm always pulling that trick by accident oh I didn't bring my I mean actually, I can take a few at a time with one hand but yeah. like, like you know you don't want that embarrassing friend that drops the pints and everyone goes wee so you don't want that um, Dan, is there anything else you would like to add? Um, well, anything we don't know about you? Tell, tell us anything. Um, nothing I can think of the top of my head other than like um, just the fact that this inspired my business. My business is growing. I'm still part of Open Bionics, but I'm really sort of trying to branch out in that sense yeah. of like be myself. And I just want to bring like 3D printing to the little people, if it makes sense, because it's still I know that it's still quite fresh to people, but. Um, it's just something that's hit close to home for me because like you were saying it like 3D printing is changing the world and I think you know helping kids inspire them to design something that could also be the next thing like open bionics or you know just help inspiring the future is why I did this um, and just being creative and, yeah. and a designer just was like right this is what I want to do so and it's just it's just seeing the kids and the families just be <laughs> so amazing what they can make yeah. and um, yeah and so if anyone ever comes to a workshop you did say yeah. you've got some workshops coming up yes I do um, actually yeah, feel free to, to publicise them me. <laughs> so actually I'm not what time is, this, is it uh, so this will be going out on Monday uh, this coming Monday Monday the 19th okay well, by the time people listen to this podcast, we would actually done one at the Reading Library. So after the Reading Library, we um, have actually got two workshops at the next indie... Uh, got it wrong. Uh, the Reading Indie Market. I'm probably going to get killed now for saying that. <laughs> um, we got two uh, on that day of the 2nd of December. Uh, I'm doing two workshops as well as selling my items that I make because um, I make a lot of bespoke and cool geeky items. Mm-hmm. Um, we got two we're doing and both of them will involve a very brief sort of understanding of 3D printing for the kids and their families because we actually, like we say, we bring our printer with us. We print something in front of them and what we want them to do, um, we're actually going to get them to do a doodle and then we're going to put a little circle at the top of them so they're turned into actual Christmas ornaments. So if you're a tree, you've got a personalised little item for your Christmas tree. Uh, the event for that one is paid, but if you go on, follow us on Facebook, uh, we already have our event bright for tickets. Uh, it's a maximum of 10 for each workshop, but uh, we love doing them. Just, you just if you want to have a cool little present, uh, cool little 3D print, sorry, on your Christmas tree, then get in touch. Dan, thank you very much thank for coming you. in. Appreciate it. That 
was uh, Dan Melville from Handy Dan's 3D Prints. Um, I don't know if you've seen a 3D printer, Rachel, Hugh, is something you're familiar with? I had uh, a little no. look at some of Handy Dan's stuff. Oh, did you? Okay. Stuff, no, but solid, solidarity to the independent businessman now. You know, <laughs> as, as we now heat one walking to Sonic Home. Oh my god. <laughs> I hope you're gonna be able to cope with the influx yes. of customers that are <laughs> gonna be so oh, Dan's got a couple of um, couple I liked of, the skulls the 3D oh, printed skulls so we talked about it in the interview but he did one of the uh, absolute units from um, I don't know if you were aware of uh, when Merle um, tweeted a picture of a big old ram and uh, just with the, with the on Twitter they put it on Twitter and it just said at the above absolute unit and uh, it went mental it went absolutely cr- it went, I believe what the kids call the viral Oh. And um, it went absolutely crazy. So he's he's done it. Go and look, just go and look it up. Merle, absolute unit. You'll you'll love. You will love it. You will we'll definitely love it. Love it. Well, definitely um, googling it. Yeah, you definitely should. Definitely. Um, so he he's you know, he he also he was talking about his um, his arm. He was born without a right arm. Well, without a right hand, and he three D printing has, has enabled him to have a. Uh, I think what they call a bite like a bionic arm. So he's got a he's got a. Um, like a fitted direct exactly for his for his arm, and it was made out of three D printed parts. It's just absolutely incredible. Wow, that's awesome. Um, he showed it to me a little bit, and it was. Um, Is it like Luke Skywalker's one in, in Star Wars? Uh, it's not. No, it's it's much more. Um, it, 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 that that looked far too mechanical. This was just really. It's really smart. It's got some really smart stuff. It was a medically made. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. Not something that he's. Oh no 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 no! So some, uh, there was a company in Bristol that does it. That oh, does right. these things, and that's what got him inspired into. Uh, he was always quite arty. What it was telling me, he inspired him into um, starting his own business and using three D printing to mm-hmm. as a, as a business. But you know, this 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 arm is, that is it, so cool. I think it was from what he was telling me. I think an, a, a, a proper one, uh, not sorry, not a proper one, but a. a, a a normal one would cost about fifty thousand pounds, and the one three D printed cost ten thousand. So you can see that the wow. sort of the accessibility. I mean, ten thousand pounds is still a lot, but you know it's completely accessible compared to fifty thousand yeah. pounds. So really interesting to talk to him. Really good to talk to him. And hey, he's going to be. Uh, he's got some um, workshops coming up as well. So please go and have a look at what Dan's up to. Is it the- He's going to be at the Etsy urban. Thing. Yes, he's going to be at the urban indie market, and which is in, in December. I do mention it on the. Um, I think it's the second, yes, but second I, it's, it's definitely on the At interview. Dog. Yes, I believe so, yes. So, it is now time for everybody's favourite random question. So, Hugh, could you pick a random question from... This makes me nervous. ...from the um, I Love Reading mug, please? Here it is. Here's the I Love Reading mug. <laughs> what have we got? It is Favourite Road Name. Oh, you chose that one. That's, I think that was that my idea, I can't remember. Favourite road name. There's some interesting road names in Reading. Um, I quite like Liebenrud Road, because I don't know I, I don't know what it... I'm not sure we're going to have a lot of explanation going on this, but I no, like but Liebenrud Road. We should... We've got a book. We've actually got a book oh, we do have a book, don't we? Which explains all the road names in Reading. I'll tell you what, should we pause for a second while yeah. you go and get it? Yeah. Pause. Pause. Hugh, you're back. I'm back. You found the book. I found the book. Good. What's it called? Abattoir Road to Zinzan Street by Adam Sowen. Reading streets and their names. Excellent. So, right. shall we? Um, shall we pick? What, what was your pick then, Rachel? Should we do your pick first? Uh, yeah, I don't know if mine. Well, qualifies as a street, really. Are you ready? Yes. It's 
by the hexagon. It's more of a walkway. It's called San Francisco Libra Way. San Francisco Libra Way. I just always Libra like way. it because the road, the sign is about four foot long. It's massive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very expensive. Um, I think that's got something to do with Town 20, but hang on one second. Is it even in there? Hmm. You, it's SA. It's probably not because it's far. a... No, I've got Saxon Street, Street and then it just goes straight on to a... Oh. It's not in here. Isn't that oh. where we are? We're right there, aren't we? Yeah, Saxon Street, which is there. Yeah. <laughs> Useful piece of audio. Though. Yes. Just so the Rachel's way. managed to pick one that isn't in the book. Yeah. Magnificent. Well, I did say it was more of a an alleyway. Yeah, someone may well come up with something. Well, have you got another one? Uh, go round. Okay, Hugh, what think. was yours? My one was actually Zinzan Street, okay. because I think it sounds really exotic. So wasn't there an New Zealand rugby player called Zinzan? Zinzan Brook, yes. yes. Famous, yes. I assume this isn't named after him. Yeah, it's the very last entry in the book. <laughs> the book called Abattoirs to Zinzan Street. Right. Right, so this is named after an Italian family when, in 1514, the marvellously named Hannibal Zenzano, <laughs> um, who was who had some role with Henry VIII. Um, it's to do with... I'm sorry, I'm trying to read this while we're... <laughs> It's to do with the kind yes, it's named, it's named after this family and there, there was a, mar- a marriage of some sort um, that has led to the, um, to the naming of Zinzan Street um, involving this family, the Zenzanos, which has obviously turned into Zinzan. Um, and it's one of the earliest developments of the west of the town centre, Zinzan Street. And selling it. Yeah, it's really, selling it. Yeah, really. This is our <laughs> finest feature. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got a great name. Yes. Named after an Italian family of the 1500s. Thank you. That's okay. Um, we should you... have just left it. It's, yeah. a, it's an exotic sounding yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I've let you run all the way upstairs to get this. <laughs> Live reading, everyone. <laughs> reading and ready. That's Could you cool. look up Leavenwood Road? Leavenwood Road. Let's see yeah. if you can do a better job. Leaving. Do you want to talk about yourselves while well? um, Yeah, shall we pick yeah. us some other ones well, whilst? Well, you need one. Oh, what? What's your road? Uh, Marsac Street. Marsac. It's not very exciting, but that, that is named after uh, Mr. Mark Marsac, who was something to do with the, you know, the big BBC building up at Cavendish. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Green. Oh, I, I think he owned that at some point in history. Oh, okay. Hugh, have you found Liebenrud Road? Liebenrud Road, this has a very interesting story to it. Uh, John, another marvellous name, John Engelbert Ziegenbein, born in, born in Elrich Holstein in Saxony and buried in Purley Church, Berkshire, changed his surname so he could inherit the Liebenrud family's wealth, including Prospect Park. Oh. But in 1918, some residents wanted the road's name changed, and the author has written, I fear it sounded too German for them. <laughs> the, highway, the Highways Committee rightly refused this request, and a similar one from Blenheim Road, where the good people didn't realise that it commemorated an English victory at a place that was not yet in Germany. Oh, OK. And that's the entry. Ah. So, Thanks, Hugh. So it's got a German name, named after a German family, and the locals didn't like that back in 100 years ago. <laughs> And um, tried to change it, so but failed. So Liebenrud Road 
because that's why it's called Eagles Road. So there. There we go. Great to be on. Oh, oh, no, just... I've done two already. Oh, it's done. Okay, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, Jeremy has something to tell us. If you enjoy our prattlings about Reading, and if you've come this far, we assume you must be, please hit subscribe on your podcast app to get the latest episode every Monday morning. You can find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search Facebook and Instagram for Real Reading Podcast. You can also email getreading at reachplc.com. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, if you know anyone who you think would be great to interview for the podcast, please do let us know. The only prerequisite is that they must live or work in the town, and most importantly, they must love Reading like we do. Um, that's it for this week. Um, we will be back again next week for an Angry People in Local Newspapers special. Look after yourselves, everybody. Bye! Bye! You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that program, uh, Hunted on Channel Yes, Four? yes, that's brilliant. Did you see brilliant. the yes. one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading, yeah. all along the canal, and eventually caught him funny Yes, that was brilliant. Brilliant.